My parents took us out on dates and we would always get, every month we would go on a date with one of our parents and it and, would flip. But you're saying something special happened yes. when your dad went out with you. <laughs> when my dad would take me on dates, uh, he would preemptively take ibuprofen just to prepare for the headache that he knew he was going to get because of the amount of talking that I would do. Because you were just going to talk and talk. I just and talk talked and talked and talked. And talked. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the Communications Coordinator at High Point Church, and this episode is part of our counseling series. This series came into being because some of our staff have sat in counseling appointments with Nick, our lead pastor, and there are lots of takeaways that we can use. Whether we are in a similar situation, you're formally counseling someone else, or you're just being a friend. In this episode, Nick and Nicole, our Music and Worship Arts Director, are going to talk about some of the reasons we so desperately want to live in God's will, but how this can sometimes lead to fear, or feeling paralyzed, or even more confused. They'll talk through some of the harmful ways to think about God's will, and then discuss what the Bible has to say about this. As always, if you have any questions, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening! We're Nick and Nicole, and um, we're going to talk about God's will. And I'll share a little bit first about why I thought this would be a helpful episode of the podcast to do. Um, So one, my husband and I used to work on staff with a campus ministry, work with college students, and the question of what is God's will for your life just came up all the time. Also, I once was a college student. so Not that long ago. No, in my own life, the question of what does God want me to do, and I need to be in his will, but what should I do with that just can can paralyze you. I I mean, I remember as like a late teenager, even an early 20s college student, having these conversations like, am I... In God's will, is God's will like this line that I have to be on? And if I get right. on it, can I ever get back on it? If I right. get off of it, and like what, you know, what's it like? And did will God, you know, all this kind of stuff? And like I've prayed, and do I, am I hearing God's voice? And what is how is you? There's a lot of yes. And I, I, I mean, I, I spent, and I would say at this point in my life, I would say I in some ways wasted a lot of time and energy and anxiety. In one sense, it wasn't wasted because I was I wanted to know what God's will for my life was, and I I cared enough to obey it and respond right. to I it. I think it's a noble thing to desire to mm-hmm. know. But in other ways too, and I'm sure we'll get to this a little bit more later. I also wanted to be exonerated from the responsibility of making choices for my own life. <laughs> yes, because I knew if I was in God's will, everything had to be okay, and if yeah. I was making my own choices, I could mess it up. It was I could mess it up. Yeah, yeah. and you could never know what was going to happen. Yeah. So um. We, there was a girl that I was mentoring last school year and she wanted to ask you a bit about this. She was planning Mm -hmm. on going to medical school, but was just really wondering if this was part of God's will. And so we came together to meet with you and you went through this little diagram with her and I, it was like I watched all of her anxieties just wash away over the course of, you know, those five minutes and it. There was like a physical change in her, yeah. and she a just relief. got way more relaxed. Yeah, that's one of my actually favorite things in counseling. I do a lot of theological counseling when people just want like personal support. Sometimes they'll go to Lloyd or Mike, but a lot of times when people were like, "I need this thing that's driving me crazy to be sorted out," it's so funny. People come to me and they just are so you can just tell in their body language they're just so bound up. Yeah, you know? and I'm like, okay, let me free you of this, and I like sometimes I can sort it out for them, you know, yeah. and. 
um, and just to see, they just get prettier. They just sit up straighter. Mm -hmm. You can hear them exhale. Yes. You can just see people being free. There's so many ways in which people get, are harmed by misunderstandings. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why, actually, why we yeah. have the podcast and why they're yeah. pastors, you know. So. And I, um, I, th- I think it was maybe within the like two months that followed, I went through that diagram with like three other girls yeah, that I, I was mentoring. And every time they're like, well, this is just such a relief. And like, and again, the desire to want to honor God with what they were doing with their lives. It's a good desire, but for them it was either paralyzing them or it was leading them to compare their lives with other people in unhealthy and wrong ways or to, um, to, like you mentioned, not take ownership of their own decisions and their own desires. And Mm -hmm. so we want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, are there, before we jump into that, are there other things that you feel like, lead us to that place like we talked about wanting to uncover the problem like wanting to know what god's will is yeah yeah i think there's a couple things so there's a there's a couple things that kind of come together in this i think that they affect what you might call an evangelicals more than others evangelicals meet that means of course believing that the bible is god's the word of god written and believing that you have to be personally saved in christ in addition to all the other things christians believe but those are fairly distinctive to our movement, so to mm-hmm. speak, right? And so there's a lot of um, a mysticism kind of stuff that is that is part of ev- the evangelical revivalist tradition. And so people want to hear God's voice. There's yeah. a whole literature on hear- hearing God's voice, how mm-hmm. to hear God's voice. And very academic people have, re- like, for example, Dallas Willard, who was a philosophy professor at, I think, at USC, University of Southern California, wrote Hearing God, a book about how to hear God's voice, you know? Yeah. And when was- I came to college my freshman year, there was a friend of mine who was kind of from this experience or not experience, but background. And so she gave me a book on like, no, Nicole, you really can hear God's voice. Right. If you just fill in the blank, just open your heart and, and like <laughs> empty yourself of your own will. And right. Um, and there's, a, there's a lot of really great stuff in that, that whole line of thinking, mm-hmm. right? Like the idea that you empty yourself, that's one of those terribly ambiguous phrases, right? So yeah. Yeah. Emptying yourself of your pride of your right. selfish will, of your refusal to obey the Lord. Like there's all kinds of ways in which in order to be, to grow in faith and to really know God's will, you have to empty yourself of a lot of things. That's totally yeah. true. But what that can also mean is like emptying yourself of your interests, emptying yourself of the things that you yeah. care about naturally, right. emptying yourself of your own temperament and it's the limitations and opportunities that it creates. It's kind of like ignoring yourself to figure out what you should do, mm-hmm. which might be the most counterproductive thing you could possibly do. Because one of the things God may want for you to do is to see what he's, how he's made you. Yeah. Precisely to look at what is there in yourself. That's part of his creation and part of who you are and how circumstances have led to your being. And then saying, well, given all these things, right. What I care about, what's part of my temperament, the experiences that I've had, all these things. I think I'm I'm particularly shaped for X, right? right? If you just have a mysticalized view where I'm just going to empty myself and let God just speak into this void, A, usually God doesn't speak into the void. <laughs> one of the things, that's one of the things he's not telling, for the most part, one of the things he's not telling yeah. is what you should do. Partly because we'll turn around and blame him mm-hmm. if it doesn't go just the way we want, mm-hmm. right? Partly because grown-up creatures are supposed to make choices, mm-hmm. right? 
Three, because the will of God isn't like a line. You're either on or you're off. That's not how it works. And it's a misunderstanding of how God reveals himself and all those kinds yeah. of things. So um, that's not to say that I don't believe that you can hear from God. Yeah. I, I believe you can hear from God. And I believe sometimes people do. Right. I but think I, I think for me, so a quick story, an, an example of how I did this terribly in college. I was dating a guy my freshman and sophomore year. And there were a lot of ways that I really loved him and um, but the relationship was not, there were a lot of things that were wrong with that relationship, both in terms of at the time, his relationship with the Lord, also probably at the time, my relationship with the Lord, but then also just things about the relationship that weren't healthy. And, um, I really didn't want to date him anymore. As much as I did want to be with him, I didn't want to date him anymore. I felt like this it was if, wrong for you. It was wrong for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, um, if that relationship, if things didn't drastically change, it wasn't going to be a good marriage and things right. didn't change. Um, and so I was like, I, I don't remember exactly how this, like when this happened, but it w- it came to me that I'm supposed to be single. Mm-hmm. And I think God really wants me to be single because I've never really been single. Mm-hmm. And so then I share, like I ended up breaking up with him. I told him that. Um, that wasn't what it was. And you gave that as the main reason you wanted yes. to Yes. And then, not like, I don't think you're godly enough. Right. Or like, I don't want to be with you anymore. Right. It was like, I just think God wants me to be. Yeah. And um, then I was talking with, uh, my, she had been my mentor at the time and I was telling her about it and I was saying something about how that, that thing that I just felt like God wanted me to break up with him and be single. And mm-hmm. she said, no, no, Nicole don't blame God for this choice that you're making and abdicate the responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you didn't want to date him anymore. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But don't put the blame on God for this. Right. And I hadn't, I hadn't had somebody tell me that before. And it was this, at the time it was really scary because it meant it was my choice and him being upset afterwards or things becoming messy afterward or any of was that. Your respo- was your responsibility. Was probably your responsibility his responsibility. Yes. Not God's responsibility. Right. Right. But then at the same time, it really was eye opening to me to realize that there is freedom in making choices. Mm-hmm. So it, w- it was a hard time in my life in terms of sorting that out, right. but really good for me. Right. And I still do, like you said, I still do believe that God can in concrete ways sometimes really speak to us. Uh-huh. And I've like, I, one of the ways that God has chosen to speak to me in strange ways has been through dreams I've had mm-hmm. that I wholeheartedly believe I from him. But then also sometimes I have a dream that I'm like, I just have no idea if that's God. And mm-hmm. it could have just been a weird burrito I ate last night. And like, mm-hmm. so yeah. there it is. Especially considering where you get your burritos. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I just think it isn't clear cut all the time. It isn't something that we can put into boxes and say, it will always be like this or always mm-hmm. be like that. And we don't always like that kind of a culture. Yeah. So I think, so you're getting at a couple things here. One is, is that the whole doctrine of discerning when you are and aren't hearing from God, what that's, what that's like under what circumstances it happens, all of that. That's actually a fairly complicated yeah. realm of theological understanding. It requires a lot of discernment. That discernment is often built over decades. Mm-hmm. And so when anybody under about 25 tells me they've heard from God, like I take it with about a five pound bag of salt. I mean, I, it's not a grain. Of salt. It's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, that's probably just your emotions talking is usually what I assume that means. Yeah. Cause because people, people mistake their intuitional mind right. for God a lot. 
right? Because your intuitional mind creates these, uh, these like, what do they call them? Thoughts that just like kind of jut into your mind. Oh, you don't really uh, know where they come. Intrusive thoughts. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you know, like your intuitional mind will come up with these sort of like intrusive thoughts. And oftentimes they're very insightful because they're coming from kind of your gut, sort of, so to speak, mm-hmm. your conscience. And so they come from your gut. They're proved by your conscience. They have this sense of being immediately self-affirmed as correct, right? right? And they feel like they're from nowhere. And oftentimes they will present themselves psychologically as, a, as in the second person, you should do this. Mm-hmm. Not like, maybe I should do this. Right. It almost feels like another voice is talking. Yes. And so I think a lot of, like a lot of people realize, think that that's God's voice. I think sometimes it does, that does function as God's voice. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times God's voice is agreeing with that. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think the work of God is that the spirit is actually recalibrating your conscience so that when your intuition and your gut tells you the truth, your right. conscience says that's right. Because mm-hmm. I think that the Holy Spirit tends to speak through our conscience more than anything else. And so when our intuitional mind says, I should do this, you should do this. And then your conscience says, that's correct. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes your conscience, which is a part of you, is being recalibrated by the spirit who is in you to affirm that intuitional thought, which isn't the voice of God, but functions revelatorily right. in your life as the rhema or like this prophetic momentary word of God because it is a true intuition. Yeah. And so a young person who's dating somebody they shouldn't date, right? Your gut, your primal sense of who you are goes, I shouldn't be with this person. And it comes out as like, you shouldn't be with this person. Mm-hmm. And, you, and your conscience goes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So your thinking mind agrees with your intuitional primal mind. They come together and it feels absolutely true. And that feels, and so, so that phenomenon, which is really just a psychological phenomenon in some ways, is empowered by the spirit in ways that we can't really differentiate. Yeah, well, and I think that... that and so people go, that's God's voice. And in some <laughs> ways, it is God's voice. And in other ways, right. it is just the way your mind's supposed to work. Yeah, because as we grow in our sanctification and we right. become more like Jesus, we do grow in the mind of Christ. Right. And we know more both about... In your, both in your reflective mind, your slow thinking, yes. and your intuitional mind, your right. fast thinking. Yes. And so both of them start to sound more and more like God would sound like. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes what you'll get with younger or newer Christians is they will be like... I know this is God's voice because nothing in me would say this. Mm-hmm. Usually I think that's a naive personal cop out of people who don't understand themselves. Hmm. Cause like almost anything can come out of you. Sure. The idea that it couldn't come out of you is probably wrong because you might not have wanted something, but you could have heard something that you knew was right and it gets in your mind and then it comes out in a different form and it feels like it's from nowhere, but yeah. it's still from somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, what happens is over time, I think what, what happens is as your mind and your heart get calibrated more and more into the things of Christ, what is coming out of your mind and heart just sounds like the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And you really can't tell the two apart. Well, and the other thing that I think is important about that is that I think that there's a way to think that that's less powerful then if it isn't God just directly speaking right. to you, but it is still the work of God. Right. Which it, which gets back to immaturity, not wanting to take responsibility because it. What's more exciting? Right. God sounding totally different from you. So like some dramatic thing has just happened. Oh my gosh, God just spoke to me. But the reason you know that is because you're an immature twit and God's voice sounds completely different from yours. Or that you've grown together with the Lord over a long period of time so that you can't even tell his voice differently from the voice of your conscience and your spirit anymore. Mm-hmm. So that you two have grown so much into one, like a long marriage that like, you know what the, you know what God's will is. He doesn't have to say anything. Right. Like, Objectively speaking, the second is much more exciting. Yeah. Right? But people sometimes behave like the first is more exciting, and it's not. Yeah. 
I well, and I think that like and it's much more easy to misinterpret too. I think, and I don't think it's always because you're just completely immature. It's some of it's just maybe if you've lived a com- life completely separate from Christianity, mm-hmm. everything is going to be new to you. Right. Um, right. But but the like the consistency of growing more and more like God and the steadfastness that that has is a beautiful thing. Right. And I think that w- it takes time for us to get to that point in our lives to right. see that the beauty in that and the like the comfort in that, the mm-hmm. comfort to know that there's something secure and steadfast happening. Yeah, God is highly motivated to speak to you through your faculties because he's trying to form you into having the mind of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't really, it's not like he doesn't want to, but like he's, it's not really his game to be like, okay, you don't know anything and I'm just going to speak these intrusive words from completely from the outside and right. you're just kind of receiving them and acting on them. He's speaking them consistently through your mind so that your mind is being reshaped. That's more important than any individual message, right? The formation and transformation of your character is always more important to God because that's what's going to make it into eternity. What you, the, A lot of the stuff you do isn't going to matter much, mm-hmm. right? A lot of it is what's mattering is the human being he's making, right? Right. Even in your ministry, even in your Christian ministry, anything that God wants to accomplish in terms of serving other people, he can do fine without you, right? You're not integral to that. Mm-hmm. He want, What he's doing is he's making something in you. And so... But anyway, the point of this related to the will the will of God is right. that Christians should not say, well, the way you find out the will of God is you pray and you listen to the voice in your heart. Okay. That is one. That's not, it's not that that's unbiblical that you can't hear from God. You can mm-hmm. hear from God, but that's not how the Bible tells us to seek the will of God. Like just try to find a place in the Bible that says to find the will of God, this is what you do. It doesn't say anywhere literally nowhere it says Mm -hmm. basically that if you want to know the will of god that you learn the gospel you find out what it means to please the lord which means you avail yourself of the gospel in his written revelation Mm -hmm. as you understand better what it means to please the lord you can understand his will and then you can do it and that's a process of being transformed as a person both Mm -hmm. morally and spiritually and in self-control of course second peter 1 3 to 11 says it in a slightly different way but but it's still a developmental paradigm here's the truth of the gospel now build it into yourself developmentally over time so that in the end you'll be able to love which is of course to do the will of god right Mm -hmm. and so it's important for christians to understand the if you want to know the will of god don't start with well i have to hear from god Mm -hmm. be open to hearing from god be open to god speaking through your own intrusive thoughts, mm-hmm. through your own reflection. Because remember, the Bible speaks more about illumination and inspiration than just sheer revelation in terms of how we experience the work of the Spirit. Yeah. So the Spirit may speak to you through straight revelation. He may speak to you through straight revelation that comes from others. He's, But he's primarily going to speak to through you by developing you mm-hmm. through illumination, turning the light on so you can see stuff, right? right? And through inspiration, breathing into you certain truths that you can then know, possess, and then act upon. And that's how you'll know what's good, pleasing, and perfect in the will of God, to quote Romans 12, 1 and 2. Yeah. So, um, yes, God speaks, but understanding God's will is a practical, developmental thing you have to engage in as a Christian. And then, more often than not, you will know what God's will is. Does that make sense? It's also important to recognize this, Nicole, I think, for younger people especially, because younger people are concerned about transferring the potential of their life into a good actual, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a young person, you're not married, right? Your big question is, who am I going to marry, right? Because most people want to get married, right? Like, I've been married for 20 years to Alexi, right? That's not my question. My question is, how do I love this woman today? 
Mm-hmm. And how do I receive her love graciously, right? And how do we work together? Those are very different questions. I'm right. not I'm not yeah. transferring the potential into the pra- into the practical. I I've already I'm already in the practical. I've already said no to like four and a half billion other women. I've chosen one woman that's mm-hmm. already done that ship has sailed. And so mm-hmm. now I'm living in the actual. There's no more potential. Mm-hmm. And I am learning to love in that. So my life is very different from somebody who is like I could marry anybody, right? Right. That can lead, so somebody who ha- doesn't yet have a spouse, doesn't yet have a career, or even for a younger student, like doesn't even have a college that they've chosen, or like everything, their whole life seems like it's in the potential, mm-hmm. right? There's a huge amount of stress with that because they're right. like, well, what am I going to do? How do I-? Okay, it doesn't change the basics of the will of God. The will of God is for you to be godly. That's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like whatever is actual in your life right now. Yes. Are you behaving and living in it tor- in a loving, godly, self-controlled way, full of prudence and truthfulness, and grace and truth? Like, is that what you're doing? Right. No matter what your potential or actual is, mm-hmm. right? that's always the will of God. And then you're like, well, but but who will I marry? The answer is it doesn't really matter that much, mm-hmm. right? There's like there's yes. literally millions of people you could have a wonderful marriage with. Every one of them would look very different. How you would have a good marriage with that person would be completely different. But men and women are all made to be compatible with each other. Because they're if the other person's a woman and you're like, there's an inherent natural compatibility, and nobody's compatible with each other, as right. men and women. Men and women are different, and they're horrifically incompatible with each other in another mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And so you're gonna have if they're a woman and you're a man, or vice versa. Yes. Right. Right. And no. <laughs> right. When um when Scott and I were I think in our first couple of years of marriage, it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Scott. I think he would be okay with me saying this, but he has said to me before, I understand why people get divorced after a few months. <laughs> I didn't before. I get it now. Uh, yeah. And and we would say, like if people, if students were like, do you think there's a soulmate? Do you think that like there's one person? And we would say, no, like I don't think Scott became my soulmate until I married him and made a covenant with him. Right. And then. And we're still working on it. Because sure. Being soulmates. Yes. But not. <laughs> to be soulmates, you have to do the soulmating, yeah. so to speak. Like you have to yeah. actually get to become one. And we we just saw very tangibly how the, we thought we were going to be a great match. And it was right. a, it was, it was a different kind of match. Like more like a boxing match than yeah. what we thought. And, but now here we are seven years later. Like a bunch of matchsticks. Yes. Caught on fire <laughs> yeah. and created a conflagration of anger. Yes. But now. I'm so grateful that he is the person I'm married to. And mm. those years that were very difficult were very formative as well. Yeah. And so I see the like the work over time of doing the hard thing consistently, learning how to love him well, instead of just the ease of, well, God said that it was him, so it's going to be great. It's going like, to be great. Well, yeah. And like, I mean, I've, I've counseled lots of couples. In fact, some of the worst couples I've ever counseled were people who felt like God told them to get married. Yeah. And they were like, well, God told us to get married. So I'm like, no, 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 no. You wanted God to tell you to get married. And so you believed that and got married. Right. And the reason you did that was because subconsciously you knew it was horrifically irresponsible for you to marry this person. And now you want God to take responsibility for it. And you want to think that you're completely innocent when you're not innocent at all. And so now you're married to this person mm-hmm. and now the two of you are going to have to grow up mm-hmm. because the good news is you're both Christians and you're a man and a woman 
and there's a level right. on which you are compatible with one another because you are God's man and God's woman. Yeah. And look, yeah, yeah, and you're not a you're not a match made in heaven in terms of like picking teams. Okay, right. that's true. <laughs> so I so that gets back to God's will. Like if you have yeah. a young person who's like, okay, well, what, what's God's will then for me to turn those these potentials into actuals? And the answer is. Well, read the providences and do what you want to. Make a good choice. So Use discernment and wisdom. Why don't you explain a little bit what you mean? Well, two things. One, what you mean about read the providences, because right. it wasn't until I knew you that I heard that phrase. I think I made up that phrase. I find it incredibly helpful. I've never heard it anywhere Okay. Else. Well, yeah. I really like it. Um, so there's that. And then two, if you want to do that first, or if you want to talk through this diagram. Yeah, we should talk about the wills of God, right? Yeah. So when I was in seminary, I was studying this, some of this, and I was I wrote a paper on the will of God, and there's <laughs> an essay by Jonathan Edwards called The Two Wills of God, right? And basically what Edwards ba- says is that God has, and I, did, I really misunderstood the essay at first. I thought it meant mm-hmm. that like God had an, like literally two wills. Oh. And, <laughs> and that's not what it means, right? What it means is, is basically this. God has his his will that like he has chosen and decreed from before the beginning of time what is going to happen okay he knows what's going to happen he chose to create things exactly the way they are and so at least in that weaker sense he decreed everything that will happen in a harder sense you might believe that he actually like calvin would say he 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 forcibly or intentionally decreed all that would happen right but he at least knows it was going to happen and he chose that to happen okay Mm -hmm. okay secondarily or and he doesn't tell us that Okay, so he's he knows what's going to happen, and he's not telling. Okay, that's called the secret will of God, right? On the other hand, there is all of the ways God has spoken and shown himself, right? He has, we have the Bible and Christ and the story of salvation and all these kinds of things. And he's like, he wants us to love our neighbor and he wants us to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? All these things that he's shown us, right? He wants us to believe in Christ. He wants us to love God. He wants us to submit his authority. He wants us to build the church. He wants, right? Okay. All of those things he's told us to do are his revealed will, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. When people are trying to convert potential and actual, especially young, this is especially for younger people. Yeah. They want to know what to do with all this potential. They want to know the specifics of how to transfer it into an actual, which means they want to know the secret will of God. Yes. Right. And the answer, the right Christian answer, I think is tough. He's not telling. Right. Okay. And you're not supposed to know that way. Mm-hmm. So the, the secret will of God, you're going to find out as you live your life and you're going to make choices and you're going to take responsibility for your life and you're going to do what you think is right. And it's never going to feel like you had to do this and you couldn't have done that. In every case, almost, you'll feel like you could have done a hundred different things mm-hmm. or a million or at least two different things <laughs> and you had to choose one instead of the other. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you had you made a choice, you shaped your life, you took responsibility, you have to deal with it and it's yours to live out, adjudicate and to be triumphant and courageous in. Right? Yeah. Um, can I share a brief example yeah. for that? So when Scott and I, before we started dating, he, we were both in the thick of what is God's will, right? This mm-hmm. is when I broke up with a guy because when in actuality, it's because I met Scott and wanted to date him, right. but didn't want to take responsibility for that. Right. Cause that and, would have been humiliating. Right. Which it should have been. Right. Um, and then Scott was like, well, should we date? Should we not? And so he decided, God told you to be single. So how yeah. can you date? <laughs> yeah. So he decided he would call my dad and ask him if he could take me out on a date and if my dad said yes then he would and if my dad said no he wouldn't so he calls my dad and my dad says i'm not going to answer that question 
And he's, Scott's like shocked, like what? And my dad's like, no, I'm not going to be responsible for you making that decision or not. And I think that's a manifestation of this like tough. Raphael speaking in the will of God again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so then Scott on his own volition decided to ask me out on a date. But that was like, kind of like a jolt of like, oh, this, this is not what I expected. Right. Because we want to believe that the, like, I once level Scott probably wanted to believe he was being really respectful and godly, mm-hmm. right? I'll mention this really respectful and godly thing. And then he's like, so Raphael's like, no, 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 no. Y- you are abdicating your, resp- your responsibility to make your own choice, mm-hmm. right? And so, and it's true. Like, I'm sure he had, Scott had really good motives in there. Right. He was like, well, here's one way. But in the same way, he was like fleecing God, like, which yes. is not a good thing, right? right? You're not supposed to be like, all right, God, I'm going to do this. And if you, like, that's, like, if you look at the book of Judges where this happens with Gideon, this is supposed to be an explanation of how little faith Gideon had. Right. That only in two very extreme miraculous situations would, would he, he believe what an angel already <laughs> yeah. told him. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not good. It shows that Gideon did not have faith. Right. And so Gideon is a hero in one sense, but he's, he's not a hero mm-hmm. because he put these fleeces before God and told him to make one right. wet and one dry. Right. Right. Those are all ways in which, to put it in the biblical language, we're testing God. Mm-hmm. And what the Bible says about testing God is you, you should, should not, not do, do it. it. Yeah. Right? You're not supposed <laughs> to test God. You're supposed to make choices and do what you think yeah. is in his will out of obedience and out of a love for him, doing what you know is right and good and true and worthwhile. Yeah. Right? And in doing those things and discerning what is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm-hmm. Right? You can do that. So. So get back to the two wills of yes. God, right? So you've got God's secret will, which is what he knows is going to happen that he's not telling. You're going to find out by living your life, right? And then you have the revealed will of God, which is the stuff he told you to do. Now, my belief as a pastor is, is that what Satan's goal is in terms of the will of God is to get you to focus on the secret will of God and to get you to ignore the revealed will of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what he'll do with a young woman, for example, is he'll get her so focused on who she should marry that she'll sleep with her boyfriend and like date anybody whether they're christian or not and be really upset that god isn't telling her who she should marry right okay which is just the right so what she's supposed to do is to take god's revealed will which is to live chastely to only entertain the romantic affirmations of a believer Mm -hmm. and to live her life fruitfully in all these other ways and to adorn herself with the beauty of righteousness right and to hope for God to provide a suitable husband for her as she grows in godliness as a godly woman, right? That's Mm -hmm. what God's told her to do. Instead of what she does is she ignores all of that while having the internal drama of the question of who am I going to marry, which is the secret will of God, which he's not telling. Right. So by doing that, what what devils are able to do with tempting that young woman is to get her angry at God, incredibly confused in her faith, and ignoring of God's revealed will Mm -hmm. so that she will be maybe even destroyed in her faith ultimately by simply flipping the two wills of God and how we're supposed to relate to them. Mm -hmm. God's not telling you a secret will. You have to make choices because here's the thing. And this is a little scary. He's made you a sovereign creature. You bear his image. There's a certain amount of sovereign, like he is sovereign and king over the whole universe and, and administrator over the whole universe. You are king, queen and sovereign over your own life under his rule right so you're under his rule and that you have to do his revealed will right but within his revealed will you could do whatever you think is right yeah which means you can do a lot of different things and he's not telling you what that's yeah. secret 
Hence the name, the secret Secret will of God. One of the things that I saw happen for this particular girl who I saw you talk through this with was the, the, the paralyzed feeling she had went away. And Mm -hmm. I think that's another way that this manifests itself is that instead you're, if you're so concerned, you just don't make any decisions in terms of moving forward. And what I found to be so helpful when you were walking through this was just thinking logically about it. Because I think a lot of people want to only make a decision once they know it's God's will. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a missionary in Paris for a year because I know that God has called me to do that. I know that's his will for my life. Right. But the thing is that can't ever be the reason you do something because you don't know that that's his will. Mm -hmm. And so just from a logical perspective, you can't say the reason you're going to be a missionary is because it's God's will for you. Yeah, I think that's true normatively. So like one of the interesting yeah, things yeah. about missions is that the number one thing that keeps people <laughs> on the missions field is a belief that God has called them. Right. Right. So I do think that there are times where God does reveal to people, I want you to do this. Right. And so I think sometimes, but, but having interviewed many possible missionaries over the years, I know that, that that's not the case for, for everybody. For, yeah. For, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I more like five to one, at least come to my office and say, God has called me to so-and-so and such and such. And I say, well, tell me about this calling. And they tell me about it. And then I like, I like ask revealing questions about it. And more and more that what they're saying is I have a real passion to go there. Mm-hmm. I have a real passion to go there oh, yeah. because of these experiences. And then over time, like I just, it increase, my passion has increased. And I just really want to go there. And then I ask them, are you able to say, I want to do this because I just, I really want to go there. And I think God will be with me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the issue is, I don't want to say, God never tells anybody what to do. Sure. Right. right. Yes. Or, or never confirms. Because some people yeah. make the choice and then they feel like God really confirms it. Or mm-hmm. while they're there, God kind of keeps them there or, yeah. or so on. Right. But and for missionaries, it's important because you can come back off the mission field. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes it was God's will for you to go there. And it's God's will for you to come back. And like, who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've got the revealed will of God. You've got the secret will of God. And the, the believer needs to focus on the revealed will of God, not the secret will of God. Mm-hmm. And you have to make your own choices within the scope of the revealed will of God. Okay, so one way, uh, so one one book that's out there is called Decision-Making the Will of God um, by Gary Friesen. It's like 25 years old. It's a very long book. Um, but one of the things that he tries to share with people is he says this, people often think of God's will in terms of his secret will. And so they think of it as kind of like, like you could think like a red piece of yarn that like stretches across time or whatever. And Either you're on that path, you're on the red yarn, or you're off it. You're either in the will of God mm-hmm. or you're out of it. And so God had better tell you what the red yarn is. Otherwise, yeah. like you could just be off it and never get back on. Or if yeah. you get off it, can you even get back on it? Right. And that'll lead you to be paralyzed because if you feel like you're on it now passively, if you take an active step, you might step off of it, mm-hmm. right? Friesen is like, yeah, that's probably wrong, right? He's like, think about it this way. The, one of the metaphors used in the Bible is that of a shepherd, right? Yeah. So a shepherd takes his sheep out into a pasture, right? And he releases them to go and do whatever they want in the pasture. They can graze, they can run around, they can frolic, they can mate, they can do whatever they want, right? And he just wants them in that pasture. Mm-hmm. And within the pasture, it's up to them what they do. The The revealed will of God is the pasture, okay? So you've got to do what God says, mm-hmm. morally speaking and spiritually speaking. You should be part of a local church. You should not commit adultery, you, right? You right. should love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That will not tell you whether to be an accountant or a doctor or mm-hmm. own a grocery store or work for seven ninety five an hour. Or it, it just won't tell you any of those things. But what's great about it, though, is that as you continue to do those things, it could start to 
show you things about yourself, about mm-hmm. passions you have, about skills that you have. It might right. start to narrow down what directions to go, what choices to make. Right. When you start thinking about it in terms of human development, asking God what to do at every single second is kind of how a three or four year old would behave. It's developmentally really stunted. And so sometimes our um, our desire to really serve God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to like commit ourselves entirely to his will. It's easy to be in that metaphor and feel like, well, we're God's children and God wants us to be 100% in his will. We need to obey him like a little boy would, would obey his mommy or his daddy, right? And that's not really the metaphor. I mean, the the what it takes away is the metaphor of being a vice regent or being somebody who God puts in charge of something. That is the biblical metaphor of being a steward. A steward is an adult person who makes their own decisions and utilizes the assets of the master without the master's input, but according to his revealed will, mm-hmm. right? And so human beings are created by God, put in creation after six days of divine creation and given the right to fill and have dominion over the earth, right? They're made vice regents of all of creation, right? There's all these passages where Jesus refers to human beings as stewards, right? Humans are these are these grown people making their own decisions with the assets that are put under their control without reference to or input from the master, mm-hmm. but still according to the master's revealed will and their ethics, right? Mm-hmm. So what a human being has to do is in order to, to do the will of God, you have to look at God's revealed will, know his good, pleasing, and perfect will by in taking on the mind of Christ and precisely investing in the formation of your own will rightly, not getting rid of your will, right? So the things that are in your will that are pride and arrogance and like greed and that are sinful, Mm -hmm. those need to be repented of and emptied out, yes. But the formation of your will as your own creature, as an adult being shaped into the mind of Christ, that has to be formative. You have to become more yourself, Mm -hmm. not less. So that there will be a lot of time in your life where you're not asking yourself, what's God's will? You just know in your gut and you're just doing it without asking and it's coming directly out of your character. And when you make choices, you don't go, I wonder what God's will is. Right. You, you, when you, and when you pray about it, you reason through it. You tell God how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're planning. You may ask God for help. And sometimes you may feel like intuitionally and truthfully like I should do this, mm-hmm. but not usually. Very few Christians experience that. Right. Right. And so I think understanding God's will that way, that like it's not a line, it's a pasture. The pasture is the boundaries of the revealed will of God. God is probably not going to tell you what's in his secret will. That's why it's his secret will. Mm-hmm. Right. And the reason he won't tell you what's in his secret will is because he wants you to grow up mm-hmm. and he wants you to take responsibility for your life. He wants you to make choices. That's part of how he wants to form you. It's also part of your dignity as a divine image bearer. And it's also part of your job as a steward. Right. Right. And when you, when you see that, you're like, oh, right. Yes. I have to grow up and be a person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and it, it makes, it should make sense to us too, that God doesn't want to spiritually save us, just spiritually save us or physically create us. He wants to psychologically make us into mature human beings. Right. So godliness should equate to in the end, full psychological health and maturity, yeah. right? which yeah. is what this is. Right. Right. And so if God just told, quote, quote told you as well all the time, you would never become a full person mm-hmm. and you have to. Yeah. And so people like that were like, what job should I do? Like, I think what I told that girl was, that young woman was, God's not going to tell you. You have to look at what gifts you have. Like this gets back to reading the providences. Yes. You can try to come up with God's specific will for your life by looking at what God has already done and mm-hmm. what God has already shown. Like, what are you good at? 
What do you care about? What experiences have you had? What native knowledge exists in your family that like you're really well rooted and almost nobody else knows? So like my daughters, for example, are really sophisticated in counseling and they're like teenagers. Mm -hmm. So like they went in with a talk with one of their bosses recently and they knew what he was going to say before he even said it. They're teenagers. He's in his 20s or early 30s. And they were like, dad, it was like, it was like we could read his mind. And he, and I, they were like, and we realized it was because you had told us all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, but like, they don't know how to fix things. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And like an, in another family, kids will grow up and they know how to fix everything. Because yeah. their dad was just like super handy. Yeah. And like, that's a providence. Like God yes. has, has, has put a native knowledge in you, probably from your family and from your experiences that I know some women who have ministries to other people who are hurt because of how they were hurt because mm-hmm. of the abuse that they, like though those abuses are part of the providences of your life mm-hmm. god didn't make those happen mm-hmm. but in his providence that's part of what's in your bag right it's part of what both holds you back from some things and makes you capable of other things mm-hmm. and all of those narrowings can help you if you reflect on them carefully where you should go and what you should yeah. do and how you should do it and once you do that It'll narrow things down. At some point, you just have to make a choice. You can't do right. everything. There's a another book that when I was in college, I think it came out, and a lot of my roommates read it. And it was it's called Just Do Something. Yeah, and that was By Kevin DeYoung, and it was a it's a really short book. Yes, and yeah. it was a lot of this type of content, but it helped them to feel like okay, I just need to move forward. Yeah, and just start something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially for like, you see this for like people whose job it is to initiate. So in romance, sometimes the women, they're like stuck being like, well, who's it going to be, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, to guys, I would say, just ask someone out. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be like, well, God, who do you want me to marry? Just be like, find a girl you think is godly and is suitable, like suitable to perhaps, like, right. there could be something there. And then there. find something out more. Right. <laughs> and then you like, yeah, find out more, get in a social situation, ask her out, initiate. And then if she says no... Well, that's one of the providences you can read, right? right like yes. it's not her. Yes. It's not now. Uh-huh. So go and ask out another girl. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think so I think A, like don't think of God's will as a line. You mm-hmm. could step off of it as a pasture or to buy his revealed will. Don't let your don't let your selfishness and don't let temptation switch the will of God you should be focused on. Yes. You should be focused on God's secret will. It's secret. God's not gonna tell you. Right. And it's good. He has good purposes in not telling right. you. You need to focus on his revealed will. Submit and obey God in everything. Mm-hmm. Learn how to have faith in doing the things that don't make sense to you that he told you to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Then recognize that he wants you to be a grown up. He's made you a vice regent in creation. He's made you one to take dominion over the earth, not just fill it. He's made you a steward of things. And a steward is by definition somebody who acts independently of the master mm-hmm. based on the ba- master's revealed will. He makes his own decisions. Mm-hmm. That's what you are. You're a steward. You make your own decisions. Then look at the places of your life where you feel like you're paralyzed, right? Right. And realize you're going to have to make a decision. In making a decision, ask say to yourself, okay, are there providences that I should read, mm-hmm. right? What's going on in my life? And then go through the process of finding the will of God that's as Christianly holistic as possible. So yes, pray and see what your intrusive mind says that your conscience confirms. Mm-hmm. And that may be God speaking. And it just right. may be you, like, because here's the thing about prayer. Sometimes it's just God speaking. Sometimes it is it is God calling you into a discipline that, that reunites yourself with yourself so you can hear your real voice again. So that in prayer, when you submit yourself entirely to God, 
you're also opening yourself to what you really believe about yourself and what you really think. And parts of your mind and heart that your conscious mind has kept under control and not, you haven't allowed, it hasn't allowed you to speak can speak. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're, the primal place in you that's been hurt can say, I'm hurt. Right. Or it's kind of like what comes out in your dreams. It's, mm-hmm. Prayer can be almost like a dream. That's one of the reasons why like prayer and dreams are the two places where people often think God is speaking to them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he is. Sometimes it's just because parts of you that you had so locked down, you couldn't listen to can are actually start to speak. Mm-hmm. And you're actually becoming honest with your whole self again. Right. Freud called it your subconscious. And in some ways it is your subconscious because your subconscious holds it down. Mm-hmm. but there are ways in which you can learn to listen to who you really are and who God really made you to be. Yeah. And sometimes prayer reopens that up. So prayer and dreams often do that, right? So praying and listening to God's voice and, and listening to your whole self mm-hmm. is important. Secondly, I think um, turning to people who are discerning is helpful. Yeah. They can't, they can't and should never make the decision for you, right? but they can tell you what you might not have thought about. They can help you reason through things. They can help you reweight things. They can tell you what to be careful about. They can right. they can tell you what you seem to be saying that you don't even really know you're saying. Mm-hmm. Right. So other discerning people. And then trying and seeing what fails can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to fail. Failure is an enormously great teacher. Yeah. And failure maybe is probably part of God's secret will for you. Every Almost everybody's life, part of God's secret will for them is the fact that they're going to fail a lot. I know that because... As God's secret will gets worked out in so many people's lives, yeah. they fail. Yes. <laughs> right? And so you shouldn't think like, well, I want to be the perfect Christian and never fail. If I stay on the, like, the red yarn of God's right. will, then I'll never fail. No. No. God's will for you goes through failures. Yeah. Even if there was a red yarn, the red yarn would probably <laughs> would go through a bunch it. of yeah. failures. Right? And so just be ready for all this kind of stuff. Like right. Part of what God has to do to everybody Brendan Manning said, usually between 35 and 60, God will severely break people, especially ministers of any kind, but really anybody. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> because, well, because he said most people live in the flesh yeah. their whole life and un- and they won't stop living in the flesh until they're broken of it yeah. in a violent and brutal way, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be like a surgery. And so, and, and most people can live, can live in the flesh until about 35 years old, right? If you don't get married, and have children and do things that will break you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. then it, you may be a little longer, you know, but, um, and so probably at some point in your life, there's gonna be a terrible breaking that's going to happen with yeah. you maybe a number of times. And the best thing you can do is like receive it as fast as possible. Right. <laughs> Cause you get to take the test until you pass it. Right? Yeah. And then one of the things that, um, I can't think of the guy's name. I was just reading one of his book. He said that the problem is that once he's broken you, he doesn't put you back together because, the flesh is so terrible a thing and pride is so terrible a thing that if you ever get entirely put back together, you'll go out of remission. Hmm. The cancer comes back. Mm-hmm. And so once he breaks you, he keeps you in a broken state throughout the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, that's part of the will of God. Isn't right. that wonderful? Like, so right. you've got to recognize that, that like the will of God is the strange thing. So you can read the provinces. You can listen for his voice, so to speak, mm-hmm. in a bunch of different ways. That's mm-hmm. kind of a complicated thing. You can seek discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, you can read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look for opportunities and doors that are open and doors that are closed. But all of these make up an ex- exploration of what the will of God might be. But in doing so, you're not really trying to find out God's secret will. You're just trying to live a life as a steward right. and make choices and move forward and do good. Right. And in doing that, in retrospect, you will find that you will be walking in the secret will, will of God. God right. right. But 
the secret, secret will of God only reveals itself in retrospect. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this has been really helpful. <laughs> That's our hope. This has been very helpful for me and many of the girls that I mentor and probably many people who have heard you talk through this before. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. Go, thinking, I want, let me say, I want to say one more thing about yes. this because Christians who listen to this, it'll say you heard this podcast and you're like, of course, that's the way it's, I, I don't know why I didn't. All right. Okay. Be careful how you tell this to people because when people come and tell you that like God told them to do it, plant a church here or right. marry that person yeah. or do this thing or do that thing. One, you don't know God didn't tell them to do that first mm-hmm. of all. Okay. And so you need to be really careful about telling people what God does and doesn't say. Right. Yeah. Secondly, if you tell them God didn't, does it normally work that way? And it's kind of weird that he may be doing that with you. It may just be that you're inviting drama into your life in a subconscious way because you want to feel more meaning in your relationship with God, right? People don't respond to that very well, usually. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh-huh. you just be very tactful about how you talk yeah. about it. And um, I just, it, it's just, yeah. it doesn't do any good to try to humiliate somebody for what they think about God. And, and you don't want people you want people to be pious and to want yeah. to know God's will and to do what God wants. That's what you want. And so right. don't do anything that's going to hurt, hurt their that faith and right. believing God works with them just because their view may be unsophisticated or naive at this point. Yeah. Because, and it's probably not their fault. Like the, the church has taught a lot of kind of wacky stuff because people want the meaning of feeling like something supernatural has happened to them. Don't forget, like part of the issue here is people feel alone and abandoned they, they don't want to just have faith. They want to know. Mm-hmm. And so they want to believe that God did something supernatural, so supernatural that it's self-interpreting so that they can be 100% sure God told them to do it and, be, and that God is with them. Right. And we will play almost any psychological game to know that's true. When I, I, that's the thing that when I think about my, myself and my friends in college, that was the fear is that if I don't do this thing correctly, whatever it is, God's not going to be with me anymore. Right. That's the deepest fear. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely false. Like you can, right. God is with you. Like you can do all kinds of idiotic things and God is with you in all kinds of amazing ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the part like God is not that conditionally with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, and, and it has, and it has every time that God is or isn't with somebody, it's always in relationship to his revealed will, never his secret will. Mm-hmm. Like just try to find a place in the Bible where like somebody did something God had never told them not to do. And God was like, well, you didn't see my will properly. Yeah. Right. There's a couple of times I think in the Bible where there is a priest and God's will could have been sought on something conditional and they didn't seek it and they could have. And at that point in salvation history, they were supposed to seek God's will through the priest that way. Yeah. Right. Where that was the thing. You'll never find anything like that in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. So I, so I, yeah, I, th- but I think I it's think, important. You've got to think about this in a way that's still God honoring and supernatural. Yeah, it be- has to be part of your spiritual theology because if you just say, well, there's just nothing to all that seeking God's will stuff. That's not what I'm saying. Right. That's not what I said for the last 50 minutes. Right. What I because- said is that God works through us in a way that makes us into mature, independent creatures yeah. so that we can be interdependent with him and be true stewards and image bearers in creation in order to do that. He does, he works his will through the formation of our character. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel as supernatural. It's way supernatural. You could argue mm-hmm. it's way more supernatural than if he just spoke something to you right. because he miraculously transforms your very being and mm-hmm. your character and everything about you. It just doesn't feel that supernatural, not because it's not spiritual, 
but because it's so holistic. Right. It's interacting with your physical body and your neurological right. brain and your your emotional life and your past experiences and your clinical problems. It's interacting your, with your heart, mind, soul, soul and, and strength. Body. Yeah. yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. And so because it's so holistic and complete, it doesn't feel so otherly spiritual. Right. And so it, we go, well, it's not spiritual. No. It is. It's way more spiritual right. than you thought. It is what right. real spirituality is. Right. And what you're doing is you're seeking a spirituality that isn't full. Yeah. And that's hurting you. Yeah. And it's not what it's not what God has revealed in his revealed will for how he deals with us. Yeah. Right? And we're we're engaging in this special pleading, demanding that God give us his secret will. And we think that that's spiritual. And it's not. It's actually disobedience. And it's idolatry. And it is the second guessing and testing of God. And we think it's spiritual. And then we, then we get so angry when God resists us in our idolatry and our pride and not listening to him and creating a false spirituality and then demand that he go along with it. And God is, just loves you too much to do that. Yeah. He's not going to give in to your Satan invented fake spirituality that demands to be where you demand to be God, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I just, I just don't want people to listen to this and go away thinking, well, oh, that's not a very super, like that's what all my atheists with friends would say, quote, spirituality is like. Right. Well, it's your most insightful atheistic friends might think some of these things. Right. But the Bible thought of it a couple thousand years before them <laughs> mm-hmm. and included God because this is a, it's not less spiritual to include all the rest of your human being. Right. It's more spiritual. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't think that God is secular or unspiritual because he includes all of his own creation in his plan of redemption. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I could probably say a lot more about each of these things, but yes. hopefully this sketches out that, that feel for people to mm-hmm. how to think about the will of God, not a yarn, but as a pasture that we should seek to, we can know and obey the revealed will of God, not try to wrestle out of God's hand idolatrously and testing him to try to take his secret will from him Mm -hmm. and to realize that he wants to make us independent responsible stewards as adults and full beings that make choices for ourselves and take responsibility for for ourselves like god does for himself Mm -hmm. and sometimes i think we think when we can hear god it 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 um signifies an enlightened sense of spirituality or like a higher level of our godliness Mm -hmm. and not that it's connected to that or disconnected to that, but you can grow in your sanctification and in your godliness and not hear God's voice in yeah. that audible way that you think that you're supposed to if you're godly enough. Yeah, but you still could be incredibly formed in the mind of Christ and be thinking God's thoughts after him and obeying him in the way he delights in. Right. Right. The Bible nowhere says that you should hear God's voice. It says everywhere that you should know his will. Mm-hmm. Because you can know his revealed will and you can know, in the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, know what pleases God. Mm-hmm. What pleases God is not whether or not you can guess his His secret will. Mm-hmm. What pleases God is whether or not you choose to obey his revealed will and love Things your neighbor. he did tell you. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what pleases him. Yeah. You, I mean, you, he could intend for you to be a surgeon in like Mozambique and you could become a garbage collector in Chicago. And if you obey his, now of course that would never happen, but like you, in theory, right? <laughs> yes. But if you obeyed his revealed will, he would be so pleased with you. Yeah. So pleased with you mm-hmm. because his goal is not for you to guess his secret will. His right. secret will is something you're going to find out. You're going to explore and experience. Right. Yeah. And if you knew it, you wouldn't even like it because it's probably pretty ordinary. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh-huh. But it's beautiful. Yes. 
and you have to find it yes. only by walking it out. But you can, but what he wants to make you is not a fortune teller. He wants to make you a steward. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any use for fortune tellers, right? but he has all the use in the world for eternal stewards so that when he remakes the new heavens and the new earth and he has a job for you, you'll embrace it and be ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know? I think we should cut it off here because I have so many more thoughts that I'm thinking about this. But as soon as we start another one, we'll just want to keep talking. Yeah. Well, so, as well, at, like if you've listened to this and you have questions about it, this would be a, a great opportunity for you to send um, some emails with, you know, with emails. Podcast at highpointchurch.org. Yeah. Send questions of that. And we can always do a 2.0 on this. Yes. But our, our goal is, is for you to go from puzzled, maybe even upset at God yeah. to feeling just radically free mm-hmm. in the pasture of God's will knowing that you're going to make choices to become a, like a full-fledged independent creature bearing his image and taking dominion in the world and taking responsibility for your life and being courageous and seeking good friendships of people who will help discern the, the way forward with you and for you to boldly do and find the will of God and please him in every way. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can do that. Everybody can do that. That's not beyond anyone. It does take faith. So, all right. I guess Thanks we'll see you next time. listening to this episode of the engage and equip podcast if you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org if you'd like to find more episodes you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast you can also find us on apple podcasts google podcasts overcast and other apps like that we hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.